0: In this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast, I am joined by Blake Guichet, author and host of Confessions of a Crappy Christian, as we discuss the idea of imperfection and how our view of God and His grace directly influences how we perceive our own shortcomings. This week's conversation is based around the topics and themes in chapter 6 of my book A Jumble of Crumpled Papers. If you enjoyed today's conversation and haven't read the book, the link to pick it up is in the description below. If you're a first-time listener, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to our intro episode, episode zero, to get brought up to speed on what this podcast is all about. But without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crumpled Papers podcast. My name is Austin Knoll, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. I'm joined by Blake Guichet, who is a couple things. You are the host of the... Very well-known podcast, Confessions of a Crappy Christian, which is a fantastic podcast. You were also, more recently, the author of a book by the same name, The Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Blake, thank you for being here. Welcome. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Great. Awesome. So, I mean, I'll give you a chance to to talk about your podcast a little bit and your book, um, which is the reason why you're here. Um, actually, why not just right now? Give us, a, give us an overview of yourself, your background, particularly... In regards to our theme, which is church kids and growing up in church, and then kind of segue that into uh, the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast and your book. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, we so we connected because you came on the show, because Correct. you were a perfect fit for the podcast, because we talked so much about exactly what your ministry and your book and your podcast is about, because I have very similar background. Grew up in church, was a church kid. It wasn't a PK, but I was a full-blown church kid, did the whole thing, Um, and then got to college and was kind of like, "Mm -hmm. do I believe what I think I believe? (laughs) And I don't want to follow all these rules anymore. I'm living on my own for the first time. I've been completely independent since I was 18. And so it was just this whole new world that opened up. And my parents really did so much so well. My parents are still married. I'm 34. Like they've been married for 36 years. They love Jesus. They got us invested in churches and youth groups and they, they did the thing. And the reality is, is it comes down to like personal responsibility and your relationship with Christ becoming your own. And so confessions of a crappy Christian was really born out of a lot of the questions that I had as a younger person that I felt like I couldn't get answers to, that I felt like were pushed to the side and were more of a hassle than anything for a lot of leadership. And that in reality, as I got older and had kids of my own, I still had these questions and it wasn't even necessarily that I was pursuing answers. It was just, I wanted to be able to ask the questions and have the hard conversations and not be pushed aside or told I was being ridiculous or told those things don't matter. And so the podcast and the book are really just real life conversations about like boots on the ground life as a believer. I think there is a hundred percent a place and a time for grand theological conversations. And I love to talk about that stuff. But for me, who I am, like, I need to talk about mental health. I need to talk about identity. I need to talk about how I interact with the world and how I live on mission for Christ in real life. Like with a busy schedule and a body that's broken and all of that kind of stuff. So the book and the podcast really go pretty hand in hand in in that vein.
0: No, that's, that's exactly why you're on to talk about all that stuff. And I love, I mean, this isn't even what I was planning on. You you mentioned hassle for leadership and certain people to the questions you were bringing up. And the first thing I thought about when you said that was, oh, it's because, they didn't know how to ask those questions, so they didn't know how to handle it. And and that's a thing that is a theme through obviously your work and through my book is, in many cases, uh, these people are the most well-intentioned people. But 100%. But they themselves, when they were either born into it or whenever they came on to join a church or whatever, that's what they were taught and the things they were given. And the things they weren't taught and weren't given, they don't have. And right. that continues and continues and continues. So it's breaking that cycle of... No, these things exist. These are real questions. These are real. We're real people, mm-hmm. and these are real. There's there's depth that we don't always acknowledge. Yes. Um. And acknowledging that, instead of bringing shame, it brings so much freedom and to to really invest and seek and then thrive in God, which right. I think is such a valuable asset of what you offer in your work. So, I love that you're on for this because, I mean, your book. I think if if I were to take a couple words like one word synopsis is to describe your book one would be it deals with imperfection right mm-hmm. imperfection we're imperfect people and we we mess up all the time our lives can be messes our questions are in our head can be all over the place and this episode that you are joining me for is episode 6 which ties into chapter 6 of my book And in essence, is all about imperfection. Uh, More specifically, if you were to narrow that down, it would be the the measures that believers can take on an individual level and churches can take on a more general scale to prohibit or give us the best chance of not messing up Mm. when we are not completely assured of God's grace and forgiveness. And the chapter is titled the S word because it's the thing you don't talk about, even though there's no, no church really has a problem saying the word sin, but it's the, the unspoken identity of sin. And like, that's this no, no stuff. So here's the things we're putting in place. So that doesn't happen. Right. And, and the chapter opens with me talking about this idea of Chumra. Have you heard of this idea, this term Chumra? Uh-uh. Okay. Okay. I didn't before I wrote the book, but it fits in perfectly, I think, to, to this kind of theme. And Chumra is a Jewish term that comes from a specific scripture in Deuteronomy that talks about if one is building a house, they should also build a fence around the roof so that no one is in danger of falling off. Mm. And this idea of Chumra is taken from that verse— and is a a very practiced jewish tradition or jewish practice that is kind of putting in place different rules and regulations several degrees detached from whatever trespass could be happened could have happened mm-hmm. to prohibit the risk of something bad happening yeah so build a fence around the roof so that there's never a circumstance that may arise where someone may be in risk of falling off for whatever reason. They're on your roof in the first right, place, right? Right, right, right. And this idea, I, for many reasons, is a big turnoff for a lot of younger Jewish people. They, they, yeah. Because it prohibits so much of like I'm not even in, I'm not even in direct confrontation with going against this certain rule, but this is in place five steps away of me doing anything in that general area, and that's what this chapter is really about in identifying these practices and ideas that churches have and then individual believers have because we are so scared of acknowledging that, oh, we do sin, we do mess up, we do just fail in things. Mm -hmm. Um, One really quick is in high school, we, on a Friday night devotional with our teen ministry, we were told, this was in 10th grade, we were told that guys and girls are by no means allowed to ride in the same car together unless we are driving to church. <laughs> right. We, which, we're people, we, we we have relationships, not romantic, just friendships that right. cannot be fostered now because you're afraid, because sometime, 20 years ago, someone made out in a car. Like, right. oh, um, okay, like I'm sorry, but for right. whatever reason. So that's, that's an example. There's many things like that. So this idea that arises from such these legalistic measures, right? These practices. I think a big thing for me and for my friends that we talked about on your podcast was this idea that you can never fully trust yourself because of Mm -hmm. how stringent and how many degrees separated these rules are. They internally just maybe indirectly give you the idea, oh, without these, I'm doomed. I Mm -hmm. need these because I cannot trust myself to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Or, or trust God to help me with it, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to know, have you been confronted with, with this idea and in what ways has this kind of come up in your life?
1: Oh, I mean, I think if anybody grew up in the church in any capacity, maybe they didn't grow up with it on the like Jewish practice level. Right, sure. But it unless you went to a really awesome church and especially I'm 34. So I was a child of the nineties and the two thousands. This is prime purity culture. Um, And then the reality is, is now, even as a 34 year old, I don't see this practice in my church, but I see this practice in the global church, even as adults. I don't think we're just doing this to kids. This is a conversation that I have with women all the time of, you know, this, this, overarching christian message being you can't trust yourself god never said trust your heart god never said trust your gut and then you contrast that with well he did say he would replace my wicked and depraved heart with a heart of flesh and that the old had died and the new would come and that i'd been given the holy spirit so can i actually trust my heart can I so trust where my God?
0: Where's the line now? Right. Where is and, where, where do I stand?
1: And the very honestly simple answer to that is, and people will people hate me for this. <laughs> people get <laughs> people get real twisted when you tell them that like sin doesn't have the dominion over them that they think it is because that is comfortable. But the reality is, is that sin no longer has dominion over you. It is an outside yep. force that you will wrestle against, but no longer. Is your driving force? You have Christ in you. You have, you know, I always say, like, people say they were, they're jealous of the disciples because they got to walk with Jesus. I'm like, I think the disciples are jealous of us because we have Christ in us. That's something that some of them got to experience, but not for nearly as long as we get to. And so, can you trust your heart? Okay. You have to match that against scripture. You have to know scripture and be able to match it against that. So, what I tell people is like, okay, the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you to cheat on your husband. Yep. Yep. It's not, it's not going to tell you to steal from your employer. It's not going to tell you to yell at your kids. It's not going to tell you, it's not going to tell you on a younger level, which I mean, I realize in your world, I'm like relatively ancient, but like,
0: Oh, come on. No, you're not. You're you're, you're 34. No. Yeah.
1: It's not going to tell you your Holy spirit, the Holy spirit, your gut, what your heart doesn't actually want to hook up with a girl and give both of you sexual baggage that you'll carry for the rest of your life. Like that is no longer what you want because what you want has changed. So yes. when that stuff pops up, because it will young, old, across the board, like sin, we died to sin, to sin, didn't die. Okay. It will one day. And that will be so great. And we will be in glory. But for now, for me, when something arises in me, a desire, And that's what really ties to that. Follow your heart. The next step for me is match it against scripture. Yes. And you will be shocked by how much you are allowed to do when you match (laughs) things against scripture, you are allowed to take risks. You are allowed to make big jumps. You are allowed to do things that people will think are insane because scripture is chock full of people doing absolutely insane things for the kingdom
0: and not only allowed, encouraged.
1: Encouraged, encouraged. right? Encouraged. Encouraged. And so I this is kind of my my the thing that I get really fired up about because we have you have this gener, you have generations upon generations of Christians that are frozen, that are yep. paralyzed by fear because they're scared they're gonna mess it up. And then when they do mess it up, that God's gonna be mad at them. First of all, that's not possible. Yep. He doesn't, your sin is as far as the east is from the west, and that is, that is immeasurable. And he, his grace like fills in the gaps for your humanity. And so take the next right step. And sometimes that looks like following your gut as long as it doesn't go against scripture.
0: That's so good. And it's so true. That last point you were talking about, I wanted to bring this up. I, I It was in a certain book I read, but I included it in my book. I stole it and gave him credit. But um, maybe it was John Eldredge when I forget. But years ago, I read a book. And the point that he made blew my mind, and he said that God doesn't react. You can't surprise him. Mm -hmm. Reaction infers that they don't see what's coming first, and then once something happens, oh, then I respond to it. No, God only acts. Mm -hmm. So because he doesn't react, He can't be surprised by whatever you do. And because he's not surprised, and he knows everything you're going to do from the day you're born to the day you die— he already has the entire timeline in mind when he does anything. Mm-hmm. When Jesus came and sacrificed himself and the Holy Spirit came, when, when grace is constantly flowing through the air, when uh, when you're forgiven, he doesn't mean you're forgiven right now, but wait until you do the next thing, then we'll talk. It's right, really, you're forgiven, you're good, because I've known, I know plenty more things you're going to do than even you do. Right. And you're good. Right. But God does not react to such a big point in In that process of going, okay, he doesn't react, then you can't be surprised and I can't be disappointed in me because you can't be caught off guard or, or like, oh my gosh, that was, that was way worse than I kind of thought the parameters were going to be for what you were going to do when I said you're forgiven.
1: Right. And I think we can disappoint God the same way you can disappoint a parent
0: out of so much love
1: exactly because there's when that shift happened for me in the way that I've used sin from things that I'm not allowed to do to God just knows what's best for me and yeah. these things are not it like I know we've used this and this is such a big topic of conversation I think it continues to be into your adulthood but especially high school and college like sexuality and relationship Like God knows that what is best for you is not sharing your body with person after person after person, because God knows how he designed you down to a biological cellular level. He knows the the chemicals in your brain that get released, that connect you to a person. Like he knows all of that. He's like, Hey, your life is going to be better if you avoid that. And, but that also brings us back to the beginning of the conversation where, why aren't we just telling people that? Like, why are we not, <laughs> right. why are we not telling young people, Hey, not to make you uncomfortable, but when you hook up with that boy and one or both of you has an orgasm, your brain connects a tie to that person. Yep. And that's not to say that God can't heal you, remove it, move you on, you know, right? take away your sexual baggage, but you could avoid it altogether. I think about being 16 and being told that and I'm like. I feel like I might have actually listened to that versus yeah. just no, don't do it. It's wrong. It's only for when you're married, and that's it's converse. We're just looking for conversations.
0: Yes, that, that it's convers. I think people in high school, even middle school, are underestimated in their ability to actually desire the depth, hundred percent, in conversations. 100%. I think, and the ability to handle. Authenticity in that depth. Where I yeah. think there's a mixture of for a certain age trying to maybe shield us from some stuff which we're already getting everywhere else in the world. Right. I mean, but to an extent, I get that because there are definitely depths.
1: Yeah, there's age appropriateness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, please don't talk to my eight-year-old about right like sexual relationships. But right. at the same time, like as her parent, we're having conversations that are relatively uncomfortable but necessary.
0: Right, these level one conversations exactly. that prepare them for those important conversations. And I mean middle school and high schoolers, in 99% of the cases, I say this as a disclaimer, every episode, 99% it's with the best intentions. 100%. From people. There's always that 1%, but 99% it's because they love us so much. I'm talking specifically about maybe leader and youth member or even leader and just congregant in, later in life, whatever. But they resort to, and it's a mixture of them not fully maybe being assured themselves of these promises and of the authentic truth that they can really give life to us. It's a mixture of that. And it's a mixture of just fear because there are blanks in, in theology, in, it's more than theology, but that's kind of a foundational level. Right. But then they're, it's resorting to, okay, these middle school and high schoolers, I don't want to get in over their heads and see them in the wrong direction. And it'd be my fault. So I'm just going to give them these these very primitive ideas that right. are just surrounded in fear because yeah. they're not a fully explained sentence. If you give someone half of a sentence that ends in a very good adjective that makes the whole sentence like, this is great for you, the first part is like, oh, no, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. Don't fill in the second part. Just give them the first part. Then they are left to fill in the rest themselves. Exactly. And you said people are just frozen in fear. I mean, I grew up in, in a church where, where my peers and I, There were so many things like this and so many different aspects of our lives that we were just so timid because we believe that we were always one,
1: Hmm.
0: one step or one, maybe one false or bad step away from just completely failing our relationship with God, our faith, the people who are, uh, are in our immediate circle causing them to fall away or whatever. Yeah, exactly. In, In purity, in in, in just relationship, in, in
1: religion, faith, in, in religion, yeah, right. absolutely. In, in,
0: in Bible knowledge, in dedication yeah. to quiet times, whatever. But it it just results in this timid, frozen generation that not only don't know how to experience this, like what freedom in Christ really is, mm-hmm. but then because of that, they just believe the ceiling is here. Ooh. to god because they haven't experienced like they know the bible has all these the bible sounds so great but yet oh no when i'm sat down with a teacher and they tell me oh this scripture means this then the ceiling goes from up here just to oh this is where it stopped okay it's still a good scripture but it ends here where no no, no god is up here the things you can experience the life he has planned for you but you're settling for this not because you chose to settle for this but because you you're told that's all there is to have
1: right well and the, the hope is is that if, if your people, if your teachers, if your leaders, if your parents, pastors don't break that ceiling for you, the yep. Holy Spirit will break it. Yes. Like it's not that it is unbreakable and it's not that yep. it's necessarily even up to other people to break it. Cause I had a very similar experience. And honestly, it wasn't until like my late twenties, early thirties that I started being like, hold up, hold up. No, no, minute. no. Right. Like yeah. he's bigger, he's better. He's more sovereign, more in control. And because I believed all those things, then my questions weren't scary. Like yep, it, it's it is it, it's a problem and an epidemic of putting God in a box and yep. making him smaller and more comfortable because then he's easier to explain. Yeah. And we're doing a lot of people a disservice by taking that approach.
0: Yeah, we, we've- and this is not a, a one fits all, but we've taken in many cases a, a quantity over quality approach. Mm. We're, we're trying to reach the nations, which is great. Yeah. But we sacrifice the intentional time given to really get the depth. We get someone in the door and say, okay, we baptize you. You, you are Jesus. You proclaim him and you're good. You're saved. All right. Next. And then we send them, them to next. the mission
1: field yeah because yeah that's within a year tech, within months right that's the next yeah. check on the box and i'm not saying that you can't be called to the nations within the first right. six months that you come to know christ i know mm-hmm. incredible people that have done that but like are we a are we a pipeline or are we a hospital like right he came for the sinners and the the sick not the righteous so yep and I fully believe in the equipping of the saints. And I think that that's what the church exists for. But also, can people ask their questions? Can people show up with their crap? Yep. And not feel like they're going to get pushed out the door. And my hope is I think we're seeing change in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, I think as like, I think we're kind of being forced to keep up with mental health conversations and conversations about motherhood that the world is having. I see the, the church rising like, awareness. Oh, hold on. Like we can talk about that too. And it's like, yeah, you have all the answers, actually. Like (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like out of all people, you should be the ones being able to alleviate the most fear, stress, pain, whatever. Because just the answers you have and the connection that you have to and the wealth that you have to provide people with. Right. And and I I thought I going back to you just saying all the your book is about just all the questions that people Mm -hmm. have. When you find yourself in a place hopefully you know some it takes a long time because they're not in the right environment but at some point you'll find yourself hopefully in a place where you realize oh i can ask those questions that's the moment the starting point where that ceiling begins to just raise and raise and raise as the holy spirit comes in and goes oh no Mm ask that question i got an answer for you and if i don't have an answer for you i'm enough and you'll be able to believe that
1: Right, because then you have faith, right? And and I Mm -hmm. always, when we have these conversations, want to touch on, like, there are things that require faith. There are things that there are not answers to. And I think that plays into the larger conversation of leadership. When you're in a place of leadership, you don't want to appear as though you don't have all of the answers. And then we're not teaching our young people faith. If it's scrambling to get the answers and then you're making it up and you're pulling scripture out of context, you're not teaching your young people. You're not teaching these people like, Hey, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, scripture isn't like incredibly implicitly clear on this thing that you're talking to me about, but let's look at some things that, that, that support it, that come around it. And let's look at what that says and let's trust the Holy spirit and let's be obedient and let's be open to criticism. And, and like, we're not willing to get messy.
0: Like Here's what I'm led to believe by the scripture. Here's what I've been being taught by the spirit. Here's what I think this means, but right. hey, this is what I'm being taught for this and how I'm utilizing it, but here's some other options and seek it for yourself. Go ask right. it. Like, right. Encourage, that was missing. That's a, such a big piece is the encouragement to defer to the spirit yeah. rather than me or this other guy, this other leader or this guy who gives good advice. We don't know, maybe here, and there's things that we knew, we have the answer. Here's the answer. It's a simple thing. These bigger questions Ask him; he'll lead you the right way. But we're right. afraid, in many cases, in my church's case, of losing control sometimes too. <laughs> uh-huh. Which yep. I'm not going to put that over every church because I know it's not 100. It's no; we wouldn't be able to have the answers because we want, you, we want you to have the faith in us to go to us to revolve around this community. Yep, that's a whole different thing though. But yes. <laughs> um, okay, so so going off of that, we're talking about now the fear of of being able to ask these questions and. The fear of just being able to fail sometimes, mm-hmm. and being okay with that, and knowing that if we end up doing the worst thing, we're we're okay mm-hmm. because God still got us. Have you personally witnessed any effects or repercussions? We've talked a little bit about it. The repercussions of believing such an idea as you can never fully trust yourself. Mm. One you said was being frozen and timid. Right, that's definitely one.
1: Well, I think. A- along with like being frozen, like people don't take action. You know, I think we love is love is action. Love is, you know, and that can go both ways. I think about, you know, put yourself in the position of, there's a ton of scripture about calling your fellow believers up and not out. And, Mm. you know, love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. And that, that requires sometimes saying the hard thing That sometimes Mm -hmm. required sitting down with someone that you have earned the relational equity with that you trust and they trust you and you're in relationship. And I personally am of the belief that we don't need to be calling people out unless those things are there and present. But when, even when they are, you have Christians who won't take that step and sit down with their brother and sister and say, Hey, I see this. And like, I'm worried about you because we're afraid we can't like, what if I've got it wrong? What if, and it's like, or your brother or sister is completely missing out on you radically changing the trajectory of their lives because you won't trust the spirit to lead you in something that is a hundred percent biblical. Yeah. Like the biblical model for conflict is go to your brother and sister who is in sin and like confront them about that. That's the, that's the first step. And you've got a whole bunch of Christians that won't even do that because they're afraid. And then you got the ones that are like way too comfortable with it. that are just calling everybody out. That's a whole different conversation. But
0: having a field day with that because it's right. fine. Yeah. no, It's so vital to know that the playing field of life and relationship with God and faith is not. Oh, the do's and don'ts. It's right. not the rules and regulations forever, especially growing up as a church kid. It's these are the do's. These are the don'ts live the right path, and you're good with God. Right. And that's your enti- that become your entire life if you're not exposed to those more deep things. It's not about the do's and don'ts and navigating that. It's, no, God is here. He's calling you here. He wants you here, but he's also with you right now, leading you there. And to get there, the fastest, most direct way to get there is by maybe doing these things he's calling you to do and maybe staying away from those things because he's saying, maybe don't deal with those things. Right. But also on an individual basis, the Holy Spirit will say, this thing is not defined clearly in the Bible. Here, I'll lead you. Maybe this is the right way to go at this and not. There's no blanket statement for a lot of these things too. It's very individualized and very intimate and very Well, personal. I think
1: that the church isn't largely comfortable with that concept either, that we're not all mm-hmm. just little good carbon copies of Jesus. I posted a right. TikTok on my on my Instagram the other day, yesterday, and it was this girl going, I need you to understand. I said, I'm a Christian, not Christ himself. So the possibility for me to pop off if you're gonna act ridiculous is still there. And that's obviously like yeah. a joke. But sure. I think we do. Christians have this like monolith mindset that we're all the same, we all struggle the same, we all we all find victory the same way, we all have the same gifts, we all like it is like The no, exact man. same
0: tried and true method. It's like exactly no, no way. And because that's it it becomes an expectation mm-hmm. when people are a little deviant of that, which the thing mm-hmm. is people will always be. Right. The people who end up being viewed as non-deviant and are perfectly fit for that are inside probably feeling like they have to hide so much stuff to 100%. keep up that perception. For me, I think one of these repercussions of that is inauthenticity. Mm-hmm. It's the need to feel like I'm being called to... In some cases, be perfect. But in many cases, you you know, oh, no, we know we're not perfect. Only God's perfect. But yet there's still an idea that I'm still not good enough as I am now. I need to get better yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It, but it's always a little bit more because I'm not quite where God wants me to be. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm I'm not improving because I'm not improving by myself on my own power. But yet I'm expected to be improving. So I'm just going to act like, oh, God made me here now and I'm a little better. And then someone else will go, oh, God made them a little better. So I need to act like that too because I'm not there either. And it's a whole church group of people who are not there, but are acting like they are. Yeah. And it's just all internalized. And then try to
1: reflect that against like the very biblical concept of sanctification and that we should, the hope like change is a good thing and you should be growing in these biblical concepts. But that'll be fruit, right? Like that stuff. And I think most of us have likely experienced that with someone, especially if you've gotten to walk one of the greatest gifts is walking through life with someone who doesn't love Jesus. And then they start loving Jesus. And then Mm -hmm. you get to walk with them and seeing that change. Like we were talking about in the beginning, your wants change your driving force changes when you're in Christ, because you literally get like nailed to that cross with him. That person dies, dies. Like when people say stuff about your past, I'm like, I don't know her anymore. She died 14 years ago. Like I, I don't know her. And we don't we we underestimate that we underplay that, yeah. And I think it 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 holds people back from experiencing a fullness.
0: That's a big deal that huge. we are not holding to that anymore. Right, in many more ways than one. That's a huge. That is balloons being tethered to a cart and then being cut so they can all fly. That's right. literally what it is.
1: Right. Well, and you said earlier, you know, like, oh, I'm not perfect. But you are.
0: It's true, but not because of me.
1: But not because of you, but you are. Like you've been made, he sees you as perfect. Now you don't always act like it. Just like you don't always act like everything that is true. But the like just the idea that the pressure is off. And I think that that's kind of where you and I go with everything. It's like, can we just take a collective deep breath? Yep. Trust the spirit, trust scripture and like take the next right step. Like do the next thing that's in front of you. And yeah, sometimes that looks like trusting your heart or, you know, yeah. doing something crazy.
0: God forbid, trust your heart, you know, because it's it's not, it's our heart, which is so soaked in the Holy Spirit now. Right. It's the Holy Spirit talking to us through our hearts. It's like, right. yeah, that's why we have, we're we given a heart because what's the point? I don't know. It's not to detest God. God created your heart for a reason. Right. He didn't create your heart and then say, oh, fill that out. Don't disregard that. So don't their hearts there for a reason it's very intentionally placed for a certain reason yes and i i I wrote a note here i said we were created perfectly to be imperfect to have flaws to be incomplete because god completes us but we are made exactly how he wants us to be made and nothing we're doing is a shortcoming of his idea for us
1: Well, and that's where confessions of a crappy Christian actually came from the the verses where Paul's talking about, like, your power is made perfect in weakness, so I will boast all the more. Obviously, Mm -hmm. like, if Paul's talking about that, then there is an understanding that we aren't going to do this perfectly. And not only that, that Christ is magnified when we are honest about that. Yeah, In our day to day. And that's like, that's where everything I do came from and continues to come from is like, yeah, I'm going to do my best because Paul also says, if great grace abounds, should, should we just sin all the more? Absolutely okay. not. Right. And you can hold those two in your hands and go, I'm not going to purposefully sin because sin is the antithesis of everything I am and everything that I believe, but it's also still exists. And so when it does happen, I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't because in those moments, like even that God can use.
0: Yeah, and it ends up being not a dynamic of, oh, I shouldn't do that because God says not to. It's no, God's calling me here and I'm able to see that. Why would I want to do that? I don't don't want want to do that. Yes. It happens sometimes, but I don't want to because I see where he wants me to be and I love what I'm seeing over there exactly it's not don't do that or or hell it's like no, no 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 that's there's an equation there but it's so not like that yeah okay so why do you believe it is so important and this goes back to your book to your podcast to a lot of the work you do why do you believe it is so important for people especially Christians to acknowledge and embrace their imperfections
1: well, I think there's a lot of reasons. I mean, the first ones that come to mind are how completely isolating perfection, cultivated perfection is. It isolates mm-hmm. us from one another, from community. I think it isolates us from the Holy spirit, which is not really possible, but I think it can estrange us from experiencing his fullness on our
0: side, more on our
1: side of it. Right. Like he doesn't go anywhere. Right. Um, but life can be lonely, even surrounded by people and filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, cause it's just a human experience. And we grown out yeah. because our, the, we're not supposed to be here and this isn't our home. And we were made for something different. And I think we heap like loneliness and pain on top of that when we try to act like we've got it all together. And I think we rob other people from the experience of like learning from us and with us and through us when we hold that stuff back. I literally, the interview I had before this was this older lady. I cried like three times in the interview because I felt like I was talking to like some wonderful like mother figure. We were talking about motherhood specifically. And, yeah. but one of the things she was saying was like, she's like, I can preach about my mistakes all day. What a gift to the people coming behind you to have people that have gone ahead of you. In this case, it was motherhood. It can be in whatever saying, I did this this way and I wish I would have done it a different way. Here's how I would have done differently. That looks more like Jesus. That looks more like love in action. And like, Mm. you can literally save people from pitfalls by doing that.
0: Absolutely. You can change the directory of their life. The direction. Yeah,
1: exactly. To
0: to have the humility to say that, but also the security in where you are and who you are. Yeah. And that humility and security in who you are both come directly from God, right? And it's that it's a self-image that's a whole different conversation. It's an identity issue. In certain situations, absolutely. And yeah. God is the complete answer to self-identity issues. But sometimes in a church setting, we don't always and that's not always emphasized to us in a way that actually gives it the power it deserves. Sometimes, absolutely. Okay, so so final question here. I ask everyone on this podcast this question. The podcast is called. The Crumpled Papers podcast. And these crumpled papers refer to the ideas or beliefs that we may have at one time believed with full certainty, but have since had to reevaluate our perspective on, or if we believe it at all, or to what extent. What is one or a few of the biggest or most important crumpled papers of your own that you've had to unlearn or gain a new understanding of in your own life?
1: Ooh, that's a really good question. I would say the first, the biggest one, like first one that I experienced was that we don't have to keep the 10 commandments. (laughs) That one like gets people real twisted. Like the idea of like old law, new law, old covenant, new covenant that we are no longer bound by that stuff. That a heart of Christ has a natural outcome of following the 10 commandments, but we are not like bound and committed to that anymore. That we've been giving and given a new commandment and that commandment is love and not in a hippie dippy, like loves all that matters, dude, way. Because like love looks like honoring people and love looks like not murdering and love looks like not, you know, well, I don't change. know, you
0: know, to really love somebody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. But I think that, that turned most of my theology on its head in my like mid twenties, late twenties yeah. was like, Oh wait, hold up. Like, I always knew old Testament, new Testament, but now we got like old law, new law, dead to that law, alive to this law. That was a really big one. And kind of what we talked about the idea of that sin isn't this list of do's and don'ts. It's a father that knows what's best for his kids. And that he's not like this me, He's not a kid on an anthill, like waiting with a magnifying glass to zap you every time you do something wrong, that more often than not, you're experiencing natural consequences of sin and yeah. when you become a parent, you start seeing that through a different, like a new lens. Cause your kids will do something dumb that you told them not to do. Cause they were going to get hurt and then they get hurt. And you're just kind of sitting there like, yeah, that hurt. Didn't it? I told you I like told 10 you it was gonna times. Happen. Right. And I, I visual, I mean, maybe less snarky and condescending. Sure. I imagine God the same way of like, I told you not to cheat on your husband.
0: Helping you up off the ground being hate. I told you, you know, right. what about the best idea? Was that the best idea? I don't think it was. What do you think? I don't know. Have you learned? I mean, like, have you learned? Are
1: you going to do it again? And they might do it right. again. Like, they very well may do it again. And you'll still be there to pick them up and brush them off and go, yeah. hey, wasn't a great choice. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I've had a pretty radical paper crumpling experience.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think- it's a positive thing to say that you have because that oh, means that your, your faith is being led to such a deeper place, which is what the yes. book is all about too, which is like, yeah. no, I've had to reevaluate my idea about this stuff. There's some beliefs and ideas I had to throw out completely. And a lot of things I had to readjust my way of thinking because I'm growing and God's leading me to a deeper understanding of those very things. Yeah. Um, and I'm being led closer to him in the end. So that's all I got. Blake, Thank you so much for being my guest. I, I mean, you fit perfectly with this episode. So I'm so <laughs> glad you got to have the conversation about this. Guys, go if you haven't already heard of Confessions of a Crappy Christian, go look up the podcast. Great. Is it every two days you have an episode out?
1: It's Mondays and Wednesdays.
0: Mondays and Wednesdays. Okay, so Mondays and Wednesdays, new episodes out there with tons of cool guests talking about everything in the Christian ethos and more. And then check out the book, Confessions of a Crappy Christian, to get more of This kind of stuff about imperfection and and real questions. Blake, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And of course, thank you guys for listening. I will see you in the next episode. Until then, peace out. Thanks for hanging with us on this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast. The episode may be over, but the conversation's just getting started. If you have any questions or comments or just want to say hi, send us an email at crumpledpaperspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things Crumpled Papers. All links are in the description. This is Austin, and I'll see you next time on the Crumpled Papers podcast.